0: Saying low, Apple Music.
1: Hey, what's up, it's Zane. Welcome to my pod spot right here, the Zane Lowe interview series where we like to share the most impactful and interesting conversations that we're having with musicians, with artists, with people who have made great things and have great things to say. I'm going to keep this one pretty short because I know that sometimes these introductions get a little verbose. This one's going to be really, really easy. Nas, Queensbridge rapper, made huge moves with his first verse on a main source song called Live at the Barbecue. Got everybody's attention with his wordplay, the way he painted his pictures, and also with some pretty choice punchlines. And with that verse, the door was opened for a classic debut album. He just had to deliver it. On Illmatic, he lined up with the best of the best. producers DJ Premier, Pete Rock, Large Professor, Q-Tip, and Alias. Short, sharp, to the point, and beautifully created, Illmatic is regarded as one of, if not the greatest debut rap album of all time, a bona fide Source Magazine 5 Mic Classic. Alright, I promised you a short intro, so now I gotta fast forward. Over the course of his career since then, Nas has continued to release incredible album after incredible album, a bona fide festival headliner, somebody who has ventured outside of music into the business realm as an investor and a business owner and has inspired millions of people in multiple generations in so many ways whilst also remaining relatively private and keeping his personal life to himself. So when you get the opportunity to sit down with Nas and talk, you realize that you're just edging a little bit deeper into some of those subjects rather than opening the door completely. I've talked to Nas, you know, A few times now Over the course of his career But this is Without a shadow of a doubt Our most personal And relaxed conversation yet Based around his latest album Called King's Disease Which is another stunner And produced entirely By Hitboy We use that as a launch pad To talk about family To talk about maturity To talk about business And of course To talk about what's going on In the United States of America Right now Nas has things to say And I'm really proud That right here on the Zanglo interview series We're one of the places He stopped by to say them Here it is right now My latest conversation With the legendary Derry artist, Nas, on Apple Podcasts. Nas, congratulations on your return, your 13th album, legit. And, um, you know, this is a real body of work, King's Disease. It's a strong title. And uh, the album uh, justifies that title as a, as a start to finish body of work. Um, I guess the obvious question, I've asked it to you before, but it, the answer changes every time. How do you feel knowing you're about to release another body of work? It's a great
0: feeling. It's a great feeling. It's a, but it's also, it's of course that the the world, you know. So putting out music now, it's like I could have held up and held on to it, but I had to let it go. And it's, the world's messed up, you know. But I, I you know, I had to do it. I had to release, put it out because this is a. Uh, a point in time where it's gone down in history and 2020 is something we ain't asked for so I needed to do something to just you know I couldn't hold on to it. I was working on it. I stopped because of COVID because of the pandemic and, and all the racial injustice and all this stuff. I couldn't, couldn't finish the record and then after my man Hit Boy hit me I said, he's like, come on, you gotta, you gotta go. We gotta finish this. We having a great time making yeah. it. So, yeah.
1: yeah. You know, I think if you'd released an album that had been finished pre 2020, I can understand even more why there would have been a concern about how does this relate? So much has changed and the world is going through serious growing pains, hopefully for a greater harvest and a better future. But you address a lot of this on this album. And so in many respects, we need an album like this because art imitates life and life Influences art, right? Right. When you're finishing it up, though, that feels to me like there's almost two distinctive experiences. There's the one pre COVID and the one after. And I wonder how you connected the two to make a cohesive body of work. Because, like I said, there's pre 2020 and now 2020.
0: Well, it all, it, yeah, it, it, it started, Um, I think, February, maybe something like that. And, um, you know, we took a pause and then got back. And I didn't want to uh, wait because I, I feel like this thing that we're in could be a long time. And this, when you're doing art, you want to just you want to do it and give it give it out there and and, and move on. You know, so that's what I want to do.
1: Were you writing from a different perspective as soon as you came back in for the second round? Were you were you looking at it differently than you had been in the first of the first sessions on this on this album? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um I, I removed songs that I didn't think would fit anymore on, on during this time and added songs that, you know, really spoke out,
1: you know. What was the one song that, you, that you've that worked on on this record? And we're gonna hopefully go through all of them to some degree. But what was the one song, just to get the ball rolling, that you felt most passionate about from the second sessions that you did, um, where you really felt drawn into the subject matter that, that relates to now? Is the one song on the album that really speaks to you?
0: Um, It would be Ultra Black. But um, a lot of things that I, I was, I was working on it was already there I was, or the title was king's disease before this craziness happened and yeah. a lot of the things i was saying but you know watching um george floyd and what happened i couldn't watch the film but just watching all the terror happening all over the country um i just felt the knee on my neck and i felt the knee on our people and i felt like I needed a pride moment, I needed a a moment to be happy about um, our existence, to be, you know, to have made it so far, and all the things that we have done as a people, and it constantly being ripped apart. In a moment that we were going through so much darkness, I wanted a song that would bring light something different than anything I've done before. Um, I didn't want people to get it and then hear something I did before. So Ultra Black was that representation of a a uplifting feeling and a feeling of empowerment.
1: You know, it makes total sense to me because as a fan of yours from day one, you have been talking about this through your music, along with many other things. And, you know, your music has educated many millions of fans around the world. And you've painted the most vivid pictures and told stories. Most recently on Nasir, cops shot the kid. Um, You know, you've been saying these things. And so to get to a place where you're looking for some kind of hope in a song like Ultra Black, um, does it feel different this time to the other times that you've written these songs as warnings or as documents for us to study and learn from? Does it feel like what you're experiencing right now from the community to the world is going to have the impact and the change that we so desperately want?
0: Well, I mean, I, you never know. Sometimes you know what a record, how it's going to impact, but most of the time you don't. It was, it's just from the heart. And it was like, when it's from the heart, I don't think about anything. I, I, I box it all out, and I think about this is my message. I hope everybody's okay. I hope they get it and and feel what I'm saying, and not just the words, but the vibration, the you know the energy I'm on, just with myself, and how I want to give that back to people, and 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 to feel good in a time where we're, we're down, you know. It's just a feeling and it's not against anybody else. It's about, it's about inspiring one to, to have love of self regardless of what's happening around you, to you. When the opposite is happening to you, there is no love. It's like, this is a love song to people. And that's what I wanted to do.
1: You know, as a voice, you're so powerful and you mean so much to so many people. And, um, you know, voices like yours come along very rarely and can be very powerful and impactful in helping people to, to unite and to fight for what they believe in. And yet you've always struck me as being someone who is a private person. And someone who likes to be able to work in your own process and not feel like you're being coerced into making statements or working in any kind of political environment. Is that a fair observation that those two things work in parallel with each other, but they're not necessarily united?
0: When things hit you and it moves you and you feel, you feel like uh, there's nothing else more important that you need to do is to record this type of material and everything else goes out the window. Your privacy, your private life, uh, the bullseye that could be on your back now and all of that stuff goes out the window. What's most important is that what you're feeling, you make it happen, you, 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 you put it together the best you know how and, and you put it out, regardless to what's gonna happen.
1: What does that feel like? Can you try to describe what that feels like when you know you have to make music rather than you want to make music? And there's a distinction there.
0: Um when when you feel like you watched enough documentaries, you did enough Zoom parties to talk about this time, you know. But, you know, outside of just the current state that we're in, the drive to do what you wanted to do as a kid. Now that you're an adult, um, you have, it's like a continuing story. It's like a new chapter. It's like another chapter in your life. It represents where you are. Um, and it's something that I've been doing for so long that it it, 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 it chews at me and, and, and gnaws at me when I'm not even trying to uh, think about it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, at, it's at me, it's at me. It's, it, there's no getting away from it, you know? You might, you might stumble across an old song that really inspired you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it might come on a playlist, and you weren't even thinking about music, and it'll hit you right there, at, and, and that's it. You go, I'm calling this guy, I'm getting in the studio.
1: Is that how it works with stories too? Let's focus on a song like Blue Bands. Um, I never know with you, what is truth and what is scripted because you're so good at authentically telling these stories. But you tell that particular story in such an authentic way that I've just assumed that's a true story in the first verse.
0: Yeah, it's, um, you know, just names I won't put in there and I'll leave out certain details.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because, yeah, I don't, I don't want to—it's it, not necessary for me to, to tell it, the story exactly the way it went, um, but I didn't think about it. I heard the track. I heard the beat. The music was—it pulled me in that direction. Right. I didn't know that that was going to happen. It pulled me in that direction.
1: I wondered about that because like, how do you pick those moments? You seem to collect these stories like everybody does in life. Life is a collection right. of moments and stories that come together with a beginning and an end. And you only get to read the whole thing on the last day <laughs> at the last possible right. second, <laughs> right? right? But somewhere right, along right. the line, you know, you, you, that story rose to the surface and it never did on any of your previous 12 albums. And it blows my mind that something that vivid has been sitting there on the shelf that long.
0: <laughs> wow. Yo, that means a lot, Zane. That means a lot. That means a lot. Um, I will say I talked about a girl, and um, she had a penthouse in Jersey. Uh, Back in the tunnel days, the tunnel, the club, as you know, but for people who are listening, uh, the tunnel is a New York nightclub. uh, That was, um, I think it went every Sunday, and it was was the place to be in New York during that time, uh, 90s. And around that time, I was kind of hanging out with this lady who was older than me, and she just... There was something about her I didn't, I didn't know. She wore furs. She was just put together too too well. But there was some, there was some shady about her, you know? And, I, and then I realized she was like a madam, you know what I mean? And so I made it a Jersey penthouse because I can't remember if she, she had a penthouse in Jersey or Philly, but we would hang out from time to time. I don't blame you. It was
1: like 25 years ago. Like we talked about? <laughs> Jersey or Philly. I know you're the most observational writer in the business, man, and that's your skill, but dude, that was obviously a long time ago. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. And I don't know why she popped in my head. I mean, I guess because I was talking about a time period. And she popped in my head. And we never got down together or anything like that. I liked her. I thought she was sophisticated. She could, she would be in New York and know things and hang out with me. But I, it was something shady, and I never went there with her. And then she told me what she was into. So I, I remember that. So I, I just tied in a few other stories as we went along. And next thing you know, I'm shouting out Louis Rankin, rest in peace, who passed away. And um, it just went, this just story just... Wound up with there, Louis Rankin. He was a he was a wild man, you know. He was he was straight from the heart. He said what was on his mind. Um, um and 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 uh I was just I, I did a song with him well for DJ Khaled, Nas album done a few years ago. And Khaled, he's he was Khaled's boy too, and he was at the video. Right. So that was the last time we spent a, we spent a good time in um on that video and, and when he passed. It caught me off guard, and his name just came up in the song. So we just, it just goes, man. That's probably one of my favorites on the album.
1: I mean, the whole album is a very human record, and it feels like there's real flesh and blood on this record. Um, uh-huh. That you, that you're acknowledging, you know, y- your own learnings that come through triumph, but also come through challenge and come through flaws and failings. Uh, and also there's some really strong nostalgia that's flowing through the album. Did that catch you off guard or was it always the design to come back and to be able to put your life into some context at this point?
0: Uh, both. I think, um, you know, that's one thing about Hit Boy. He was able to play music for me that would conjure up these thoughts and these feelings and I, I give it to him, man. He's, um, he made it easy. It was easy to work with him and he really just cared about music and cared about making it happen in real time. I would tell him stories, uh, things. And he say, well, you might as well say that on the mic. <laughs> when, when now, now, <laughs> really? Well, what, well, if I said it like this, how you like it? That's dope. Say that, man. And I'm like, this just, just the encouragement that he gave me was um was was really good. It was really something that I needed, especially because he's he's younger than me and he's um recording records for multiple artists in the studio. He's like got this room working, he got that room and I'm I'm meeting different artists. And he's, he's he's doing, but he's still focused on me. But he's still working. I'll be back. I'm going to check on these guys in this room. And but most of the times it was, it was just us in the room. But he still was focused with other records. And uh, it gave me it gave me like I, I'm not used to working like that. I'm used to like being in a room by myself. No one's come. Nobody's coming in. Um,
1: no artists are coming in. I'm not seeing artists or nothing like that. Is that how you made most of your records just hyper isolated and hyper focused on what you were doing with no interruption or distraction?
0: Earlier on, I had like the whole crew in the studio. It was the hangout. earlier on, like in the beginning it was it was the hangout. it was exciting. everybody's there It, it was like a, a a a fun like almost a party in the studio, but not as loud as a party. It was just the music yeah and, but later later on people's lives go in different directions and my life is going another direction and I'm on a different kind of schedule and it started to be more just me and maybe just three people hanging out and my brother hanging out and and I could vibe off of them and catch ideas and ask them how they think about this and then it started to become this by myself, this by myself thing. It was either that or just wait till... You know, I get with all the guys and then say, "Hey, let's go to the studio and hang out." But I had to work, and it, it, a lot of times I spent by myself. And well, with, with Hit, he he. Um, so coming from in the studio by myself to being in there with Hit Boy, it was a more live. It was, it, was, it was energy, you know,
1: it was, it was... Yeah, it was tactile. You could feel it in the room rather than have to yeah. manifest it inside and internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it comes through. Was it like that with Nasir? I always got the vibe because Nasir was part of this season and it was the... And I mean this with the ultimate respect to everybody else. Tiana Taylor, the album, I love it. Kids, see ghosts, I love it. Yez, album, I love it. Like all the albums, I love it. Push, I love it. But it felt like that was the... It felt like a festival... And that was the headliner. That's what it felt like to me. It was like, here we go, here we go, right? And yeah. I wonder, because the whole, that, before we move forward on this record, just to put it a context, because it's the last time we heard from you, it felt like every project on that particular season or that bill was done in a very collaborative, kind of freewheeling, lots of producers moving around, Kanye overseeing the whole thing. You know, was it like that for you as well? And how unique was that experience for you compared to everyone else you've worked with, which by the way, need I remind you, is everybody.
0: Right. The 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 thing about it was um, by the time I got there, to the studio, you know, all of those albums were done, and I was coming to start mine, and I I spent a lot of time there working with loops, like Ye yeah, would play loops and I would write, and he'd be like, I'll finish the beat later. This man is cranking out all of these albums, and they're gonna come out every Friday, and. So he had the mix albums, finished albums um so I kind of had to wait till the last week before the album dropped to really have him in the room for to really to really have him to be there to get these these records done and um so you know, I never been to Wyoming, you know what I'm saying, thank you. I thank him for uh, bringing me out there and to see a different part of America, and to be around that energy with all the producers and artists. Um, but I also have I had my room to the side, so if I wanted to work with him longer, I wanted to work with him longer because we only got honestly we hung around, we 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 went over ideas, but it really really got down to the down to the uh, wire, no pun like the last week, in the last week. Yeah.
1: I think it was like that across all of them from people I spoke to, that it was just everything was to the wire, pun intended.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I gotta ask you at this point, Nas, can you describe what your vision for King's Disease is, and what this title represents to you, two powerful words not, that I've never seen together. Wow.
0: Wow. Um, well, I just saw... When I started the record before the pandemic hit, the first record I wrote was, uh, was King's Disease. And I just saw a lot of people as kings in this music industry, athletes, entertainers, entrepreneurs, doctors, people like yourself. I see us, I see us all as kings. And I say, well, we got to a certain level you know, and, and the guys are still on the block, kings. I'm like, we survived. We got to a certain level. Those guys survived, got to a certain level. They're kings. But what is the thing to watch out for now? You got, If you have everything you want or you're in this good position or decent position to grow, you have to watch out for the things that's going to get in your way. And it's usually our own selves that get in our way. And... We, it's too much, it's the drinking, it's the, the wine, it's the sushi, bottle red, wine. this is from France, this is from what year, this is what, and it's the lifestyle, I'm, I'm watching people live, and it's a lot of that, and it, you know, as you know about gout and stuff like that, which I never had, um, but I know people that got gout, I know people that wow. got
1: it just from the, the lifestyle. That's a lot of Wagyu beef and red wine right there. That's exactly. Like, someone, someone needs to step in. There needs to be a level of lifestyle intervention if you're getting gout from the Wagyu aged beef and the Pinot Noir.
0: <laughs> exactly. And in, and in another form, Wagyu would be ego. It would be sure. Sure, drunk off your own power. Yeah, it's figurative. Sure. So, so you look at it and you go, all right, King, what do you do now with this position? All the way up to the president's office, you get drunk with power. Yeah. Are you? Uh, do, what are you allowing to, to? To? Is it? Is it women? Is it? What are you allowing to take your time and what is happening that can take you off of your throne?
1: What? Be aware of it. It requires self-awareness, right? It requires a huge level of self-awareness. Now, what's crazy about this is that for you to recognize this at this point in your life, 13 albums in, at a point where you are, and I quote, amazing grace and gracefully aging, (laughs) that you're able to recognize this this learning when so much of your early output as a young artist, as a hungry artist who's manifesting destiny through lyrics and music and achieving, putting it in record and achieving it after the fact that it was a it, it's all about consuming, right? I mean, a lot of what inspired some of these people to go out there and achieve and eat and gorge came from incredible artists like yourself saying, "Go get it!"
0: right right. So now I'm like, wait, <laughs> be, a, be aware of what comes with it, so it's all moderation, right. And, and as you grow, it's all about learning how to take care of yourself yeah. because things are going to come at you fast. Things came at me fast from all diff- different directions.
1: Well, I wanted to talk to you about that because, you know, you experienced a different kind of fame than most people do in their teenage years. You experienced fame on the streets and fame in, the, in, a, in, a, you know, in a culture, in a community, and a music, and an art form, which is very hard to impress and very, very difficult, sets the bar incredibly high, and almost overnight, you were the five-mic MC. And I've never asked you how that felt as a young man who everyone thought, oh, you'll just roll with this because it's part of what you do. But surely, looking back on that now, at a time when an album like this allows me to ask this question, that must have had some kind of mental and psychological impact on you going from nothing to that much credibility and respect almost overnight.
0: At that time, I, I, I didn't know many people in, in rap music personally who was living a great a, a life that was like I still saw the, the artists that I respected at that time not that far from the street. I didn't, I didn't see the music I didn't see the career really uh, help them too much other than the respect from rap fans and maybe a car at that time so i was still all i knew was the block i was still really close to the street and i thank god that i'm here now because at that time there wasn't there was i didn't have many people to talk to about uh what to do and this and that i didn't hang out with the record industry crowd, which, you know, I thought they were foreign. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand, you know, watch the radio spins, BDS. I didn't understand this or that. It was like, it was just street law. That was it. It was like, here's my record. Here's my car. Here's how I'm living. Yeah, I moved out of the neighborhood. But I still had to deal with... uh one foot there, and then one foot like this. There's, there's some possibilities that something might happen here. So I was just doing a balancing act. And as as all of us were, all of us, you know, we were all like, you know, and I'm, I think I just had to had trust in myself. I had to know that there's more. There's more. I, I, that's what I thought. I said, there's more, stay on it. There's more. There's more than just this right now. There's more.
1: You've achieved a recognizable amount of fame now. Throughout your life, you would definitely be regarded in countries all over the world as someone who is quote unquote famous, a recognizable figure based on the quality of your work. But of course, significant success over a period of time equals fame. And, You've spoken about that in the past in various points on your albums, and you touch on it a little bit here, in particular in relation to relationships. You know, on a couple of really important songs like Replace Me with Don Tolliver and Big Sean, I mean, that's about as open as I've heard you in that regard. Was, is that the big sacrifice, looking back on all of this, the idea of trust?
0: Yeah. I have, I still, I'm better than I was, but I had relationships that were good, they were cool, but I also had ones that made me not trust anybody anymore. It made me afraid to be in a relationship anymore because the things that can happen. It's like, you know, you don't know who's real and all of that. And that comes out in the music, you know, you know, what, what, I, what I deal with, with, or what I was dealing with for a couple of years with dating. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I got to fix me. Am I the problem? Are they the problem? What do I need to fix about me to make myself better at, 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 at relationships and um, don't run so much? You know, I'm like, and then they, I guess if whoever I was dating felt like I was not opening up enough or I'm not sharing my feelings and my thoughts and I, I was just protecting myself and guarded so many times that, you know, relationships would go away because they just wouldn't trust me. They were like, this guy's not telling me nothing and whatever the case may be. So I just started putting that in the music with this album. And, you know, and it was cool to get Big Sean on there. Cause-
1: Yeah. It's hard, his verse is heartbreaking. His versus heartbreaking. Exactly. And n- n- not just because of the, of the, the words, but what I really appreciate about Sean is that he connects his performance to the emotion of his narrative. He doesn't just expect you to connect emotionally to the words. He will present it to you almost like an actor does.
0: Wow. He's great. He's great. <laughs> and, and his relationship as well is a, a very popular one. You yeah. know, so for him to open up about that, you know, it was like he met me right there where... We're opening up. We're talking about our lives.
1: There's a line in there that made me smile <laughs> in uh, King's Disease where you talk about um, no rap on my playlist. <laughs> <laughs> And I suddenly thought, like, well, first of all, I call foul on that. I call absolute beers on that because all the guests on this, on this is so dialed in. You can't tell me you're not no, listening to rap look, if you're putting little dirk on your record.
0: <laughs> but no, no, but this is what I, this is why that line, this is why that line happened. Um <clears throat> I started making playlists with like all the oldies, all the good, all the jazz, the Frank Sinatras, the, the you know, you name them cool vibe. Smooth on a smooth tip. I'm making these these playlists, and then I try to make a hip hop playlist. It was the no. hardest one to make. Why? It was the, I could I could because I'm going back to like Run DMC. I'm going back to the Fat the Boys. I'm,
1: I'm
0: going I'm I'm all over that right. And then I started to do my own like battle. Then it turned into a battle. It was like this Kane record versus this Coogee rap record. Right, and I'm, you can't do that. Then, That's impossible. I, so I got, I got to like eight songs and I said, well, let me listen, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I said, let me listen to it. It didn't flow, it didn't flow. And I, I said, I can't make a rap playlist because it's, I guess I gotta start with like 1979 and go up. right? Because I can't, I, I don't know how to set it up. I listen to music all the time, but I, I just don't know how to play, to, to make a playlist.
1: I love making playlists, and they require real attention and cadence. And sometimes I spend, well, often I spend days and weeks. Oh, I'm going to send you all of them. You're in trouble now. (laughs) Yo, see, but you said days
0: and weeks. That's what I wasn't ready for. Because I said, yo, this is going to take a long time. I didn't have the patience, so I I don't have any rap. I don't listen to rap uh, in, in my playlist. In my list of playlists, I have no rap.
1: Yeah, but you listen to it though, right? You remain a fan. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't yeah, be picking sure. the people you're picking to work with. I mean, for Don sure. Tolliver, one of the most unique and amazing instant vintage voices that somehow conjures up the feeling of this kind of Al Green, almost like an Ebro called that. But then he sounds almost like he's coming from late 70s, like Studio One, Jamaica. Like, it's crazy to me.
0: Wow. Right. And sounds like right now. And at all at the same time. That's, that's different. Shout out to Don Tolliver.
1: You know, you talked about the way these songs kind of battle with each other a little bit. <laughs> you open the door, I'm walking straight in there. How, how much has your phone been off the hook on, you know, in terms of verses? Because if there is a wish list, and I know you and Swizz are so super tight, and what he and Timberland have created is so impactful and so powerful and exciting. And you, uh, if, if the conversation comes up, you are right there every time. And I wonder, you know, have the, have the conversations been had or where you sit with it right now? Before you even stand,
0: I talked to a Swiss. I'm I'm really proud of what he's built with verses, and I'm more of a fan to know who's gonna be next. So I'm calling Swiss like, who you got? Who's next?
1: That swerve is only gonna work for so long.
0: <laughs> I'm really a fan. I really want to know, and I I think he knows. I think he knows that's not what I'm trying to do, but.
1: I'd like to know who's coming next. Yeah. Very diplomatically put. <laughs> How's the family situation? Your kids are getting older and older. You talk about them on this record. There's a real full circle sense to this album. And obviously being a parent is the greatest gift and the greatest honor of our lives um, if we're fortunate enough to be there. And they're at a point now in their lives where the, the tables get turned and you can teach them all so much and then it starts to even out and you start to learn a few things. Are you at that point now? Yeah
0: yeah my kids are they're great they teach me my daughter destiny she's got a cosmetic line lipmatic my son she has a tons of other ideas on all all sorts of things that like like when we sit down for lunch she's like going she's going with all these ideas like I'm trying to keep up I'm like damn I better I gotta stay sharp i gotta she can't think i'm I, I don't know what's going on like i've got I'm staying on top of it. I write down notes. I got to write down notes because she has so many things that she's working on and I just want to keep up. So she's great. Um, my son, he teaches me all the time. He's fresher off the textbooks, things I don't remember, things that I don't remember learning, you know, and he's no, he knows them. He's teaching me history, actually. You know, so we recently had a conversation about our roots and our ancestors here in America where we traced them back to North Carolina and Mississippi uh, but our ancestors really in North Carolina and what plantation that they were enslaved on. And I showed them the bill of sale from our gr- great, 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 great grandparents and and explained things to them. And we, it was really an incredible conversation um, just to connect to your roots. It made me also think about how important knowing your family is, spending time with not just the immediate family, but just... The family that can give you more lessons about—did you know you had an aunt in Indiana? Not an aunt, a great aunt in Indiana that, that did this, and you had a successful great aunt, uncle who did this business. And, and, and it's like connecting those dots is is bringing back the history of the country, bringing learning who we are, where we are, where we were. It it puts that type of it instills a type of um, uh, 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 motivation in you. To, to know that during these times, that, that these people survive tougher times than now.
1: And so we have no excuses. Each step is a learning, and each learning is information that allows you to move with the times and to try to achieve. And you've done so much in terms of stepping even just outside of music. And I've always wanted to ask this question. It seems really, relevant right now, as someone who started Queensbridge Venture and as someone who has moved in business and has established yourself not just as a, a successful artist but as a successful business person, for those people that are looking for growth opportunities and want to know how challenging that is and how much work you have to put in to be respected in that space, to be able to be an investor in things like Lyft and Ring and so forth, can you give us an idea about how challenging it was to establish your voice in the business sector?
0: Well, when I wanted to move into more business, I think I was at the age where I was mature. And for so many years, I didn't want to talk about business. I I had a full life of music. It was just, there was no room. It didn't make me happy to do business. A business, I'm already doing contracts. I'm already dealing with multiple contracts. That's enough business for me you know, the basic stuff. But I got to a point in my life where um, I'm hanging out with Steve Stout and he's having these dinners, these cool dinners with the coolest people. And he's telling me, this is just a meeting of the minds. Just come by and we'll have dinner and some cool people will be here. And when I got there, I met really interesting people. And I'm looking at Steve like, this is dope. And we're all from different worlds and this guy created MTV. This guy created uh, a business that Fox News, Fox bought as black man bought and followed his business business model and created their thing. And then Fan Five Freddy's there, and Ben Horowitz. So who's a a, a super cool, sharp uh, mogul in in the business world, you know? And we just hit it off with everybody. Everybody hit it off. So um, I just started having questions. I just started having um, ideas. And next thing they you know, one thing led to another. And I'm sitting in meetings in Silicon Valley with Ben Horowitz. And we began our relationship through Steve Stout talking about barbecue. We just wanted to hang out and get some barbecue. But then when the conversation went into this direction, he saw that I was building... Um, my, my, own, my own company, and I was ready to invest. So he showed me some things, and next thing you know, I'm in the game. I'm in the game, and I'm taking these meetings 8 o'clock in the morning with all these guys, pitch meetings, pitching me stuff, and it just it just was the perfect timing for me.
1: Has it been an exciting addition to your life, given how much excitement you've experienced being a successful artist, touring, traveling, doing all that stuff? It's a very different world.
0: Yeah, because for a, a long time, um, you know, I was looking for something else to do. And around that period when I got into it, I was like, I want to do something else. I want to, <laughs> I don't know what. And I didn't realize that that would be it. I, I didn't know that meeting cool people who, who come up with new, new technology all the day, even though as a kid, I saw myself that way, I saw myself, I can get into this, but I didn't know that.
1: It's funny when you think back on all of the opportunities and all the um, achievements that you've had, there were, there were a couple of, of unrealized ones, things that were rumored, talked about, never quite landed. And I think real fans felt the firm was that. They felt that opportunity for you and AZ Cormega, Foxy Brown, and of course Dr. Dre as well, that that was just, it was like the greatest basketball team on paper that just couldn't get to the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Now we have a chance to to live out some of that as fans, some, out of that, some of that dream coming true. But before we get to the song, which brings you all back together, are you comfortable now putting into words some of the reasoning why it never eventuated in the first place?
0: Sure. Um... The whole idea from the beginning um, was I talked to Steve Stout, Jimmy Iovine. Steve Stout was managing me back then. And um, he was good with Jimmy Iovine and I, I got good with Jimmy and I was good with Dre. And me and Dre wanted to work. We wanted to work bad. I'm um, be, Me being a big fan of his music since before I was ever in the music. Um, to... Uh, doing a record on my second album and then we just we, we wanted to do The Firm and we did it with Aftermath so I remember Dre, I just saw Dre not long ago and he said nah, there was managers there was managers assistants there was so many people in the studio that I couldn't lock in and I really think Dre if we had Dre's full attention to do the entire project things may have been different at the time, Steve Stout managed my, me and uh, the producer team, the Trackmasters. So automatically it was a family thing. We, we wanted Dre and Trackmasters to split the production. That was different for Dre. And um, so he dealt with it. He, he was cool because he wanted to see what was gonna happen. He wanted it to happen. Too many people, too many people involved and it killed the creative.
1: You know, how important was it that, aside from making a record on this album with The Firm, that you were able to show that that, that friendships have been mended because some of, you know, there was some fallout over that?
0: Yeah, me and um, me and Cormega, we grew up together. Um, we did a lot, you know, of learning together. He's a little older than me, but we were still like brothers, you know? And the streets divide, divided us into different directions because he's an older guy than I was, and he wound up getting locked up. And when he came home, I was, before he left, you know, if he was home, he, mo- just, he would probably been on my, fir- most likely on my first album. You know, he's definitely, he would have definitely been on my first album, but he got locked up. So when he came home, things are bubbling, he comes home with this attitude like, you know, Let's, let's get gangsta on the, on everybody. And I'm like more like, yo, no way chill. And he told me um, about not long ago when we were talking, he said that I told him I'm not the same guy from the block. He said he didn't get that till later. So he said that I was doing a lot of things, telling him about how it was going, but he didn't really get that till later. He was ready to get back to the, the good fella's behavior that he was on. and. It, there was a natural. There was just a split, because he's a he's 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 got a mouth on him, and I wasn't trying to hear that, and he wasn't trying to hear me, and 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 it was a sad thing because we were super tight, and it didn't. Then it got bad, and then it got worse. Nobody got harmed. Nobody anything like that. But it was like that bad where it could have went in either, either direction. So we we got cool a couple of years ago, and but we didn't talk since then. So I, to to talk with him, it was like a really it really touched my soul that this guy who who I know I've known before this rap stuff. Like I, you know, it was just it was just great to to get everything back full circle. Yeah.
1: The definition is one of those songs, when you listen to it, there's jaw-dropping moments in there and the performance carries you all the way through. What was the premise behind the definition? The definition of what?
0: Of King's disease. Uh, in, my, in, in, in my case, it, it was... It's, um, it's black males and females, these people that was once in bondage these people, us, who was once in bondage and going through the worst treatment ever, to come out of it, to only be going through it again, through different and different ways, so that split to me hurts me, and it's a part of the thing that keeps you from being the king that you're supposed to be, from being the queen you're supposed to be, is that we're at odds. Um, the president and him dealing with his disease, and me dealing with my disease, which are haters, and um, us under under watch of the big brother all the time, and we, we're losing our privacy more and more. We're losing all of these, who's really in charge? Who's, who's All of these things I wanted to pile up in the song and let it flow naturally and let it land on the track, whichever way. It, it needs to. And um, my art, I'm saying, is the way I kill this disease. Because everything else is bullshit. Everything else is fluff. Everything else is extra. Everything else is this and that. Things I don't really need and things that none of us need. If we really get off our high horses and, and stop going after each other for a piece of nothing, you know, for, for an extra quarter, we tear each other down. Um, we got to get out of that. You know, that's our disease is our mastering our own self, mastering yourself. And I say, I kill it with my art. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been through the worst. I've been through the worst. And the only thing that one of the main things besides my kids is my art that helps me kill all the all the evil that comes my way.
1: Now that you have a, a roadmap open to you and this album is so free, and like I said, it's so honest and upfront, and nostalgia plays such a valuable role to it. Looking back now with the benefit of hindsight, when was it most, when was it toughest?
0: I think the toughest is when my mom passed. That was very tough. That was 2002. You know, um, other than that, it was. Little moments here and there, I can't, I can't, it's hard to really think back and pinpoint exactly.
1: But it brings us to The Cure at the end of the album. And that, and that song sort of comes in two parts, which is amazing because yeah. the first half is this crazy psychedelic, really strange, like one of the strangest <laughs> things you've ever been on, but you just, you know, you absolutely crush it. And then it just swerves Thanks. into this beautiful completion moment. Um, wow. The Cure of Thank King's you. Disease. Yes.
0: Yes. It's really just accepting things you can't change um, and not letting that, not letting the things you can't change be your demise. And looking at yourself and recognizing the good in you and the good in you and your roots also. It's tied in there too. The roots, where I've been, where I'm going, um, understanding that the music of it makes you, to me, is a calming. The beat, the drums, not, but the music is, the the melodies is a calming kind of vibe, and it just, I think it's more of a put yourself at peace at once
1: vibe. But there's a line on there that I think, you know, probably speaks then to your journey thus far, which is, you know, many lives I've touched. And that's not something that a lot of artists allow themselves to recognize when you're in the flurry of success and ambition. And your ambition is still strong and you're still as successful as ever. But to have that moment to step back and recognize the impact you've had on people's lives, how important was that to acknowledge?
0: It was like a thing mostly with some of my closest friends and I felt like I've been blessed enough to see a gift in myself, polish it, present it to the world, and light comes to it, positivity comes to it because I'm taking a God-given gift and placing it in the right place and in that whoever is with whoever's around me I'm trying to say yo let's do this why don't you start this business why don't you get this going get this going and I care about the people I'm around I care about them and I want to see I want to see everybody live I want to see them do well and I can tell I'm, I'm like saying hello like I acknowledge that I am uh, some type of source that can help the people I'm around. And that's all I want to do. I want to help the people around if I can. You know what I mean? And, and that's, what, that's what I'm acknowledging it. You know, many lives I've touched, you want me to help me? You want me to help these guys who are already live enough? You're saying that now nah, I should do this, but it's already happening. Let it allow it to happen the same way uh, there were people that helped me get to where I'm at. I, we, I had to sit back, silence it, allow myself to learn and, and use the opportunities. So I'm saying use the opportunities, use me if you have to, because that's what I'm here for.
1: You know, the maturity on show here, and you talked about the passing of your mom in 2002 and Till the War is Won is one of the most powerful records I think you've ever released. It shows a huge sense of awareness of sacrifice and of, and of what needs to happen to raise great people. And um I'm imagining that your mother was the primary source of inspiration alongside the strong women who have who have been a part of your life in that song.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, she's the one. She's the one raised me. hmm She's um you know, Class Act, man. Class Act. And I was uh I was really young when she was telling me um that you are You are not everything you're looking at around in this environment. Just because you see it there every day, this is not you. You know, it's unfortunate what we're seeing here and there, dope fiends leaning over and this and that, but this is not you. This is a temporary place that we're going to be. We're not staying in this one situation. And I love where I grew up. I love how I grew up. But as a stepping stone in your, in your journey in life, you know, and it's like, even to remain out there, I needed to know that we're, that we're great. And all my friends knew that they were great because what she would tell me, I would tell them. I believed in everyone. I believed in all of us all the time.
1: You've been going for 27 summers, man. It's been an incredible <laughs> It's been an incredible journey as a fan, you know, and for millions of us, we say thank you for coming back with another amazing record. I have one slight challenge about this record. This song's of spicy. Course. This song's spicy with Five Year Four and and ASAP Ferg. Is it, it's a dawn. It's it's a it's a made you look. It's up there, and yet. On oh, my track listing, it's called a bonus. I don't even know what a bonus is anymore. But if by bonus you mean an absolute bonafide fucking smasher, then I'll, I'll take that explanation. But I don't understand, like... Oh, wow. This song
0: is ridiculous. Thanks. Well, the, the album was supposed to end with the cure. We didn't know what to do and how it would fit in with the sequencing because it was one of the last records, the last records that we finished. So it was just me on the record at first. But Hip right. Hit Boy, you know, he had he has the ideas and he has the working relationships with with so many people. And he helped put that, he put that record together. He put that record together. And he knew how I, I needed, I wanted young voices. I needed young, I needed dope voices around me. And when it was all said and done, the album, it's supposed to end with the cure. And it, we, I just couldn't figure out where to put it in the sequence. Oh, my God. That
1: song is so crazy. So, somebody mean,
0: said bonus song. And I was like, as long fine. as it's on the album. Yeah. As long as it's on the album.
1: That's up there, man. That song True. is crazy. You guys, it's borderline abuse the way you treat that beat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yo, 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 my man, my man, ASAP Ferg. Five, yo, yo, I mean,
1: wow.
0: that's young, that's that young New York spirit right there. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's been great to Thanks. spend time with you. You know, is it Hip Boy all the way through? Did anyone else touch the record on a production level? I couldn't no. tell if he was producer or exec producer or both. Both. He's both. Yeah, he did the whole record. Man. And you wanted to do that for a while, huh? Which must be, I mean, that's huge for someone like Hip successful as he is, to know that you've been waiting for the right time to do that.
0: And you know what? And it wasn't one to do actually an entire album with him. I just wanted to work with him for a while. I just wanted to work with him on like more than one record. Like just get a couple of songs. Actually, that's what, that's what happened. I went to him to get one beat and I never left
1: and, and I never left. I mean, all bad's a banger as well. Working with Anderson Pack, one of the most freewheeling uh, and adaptable and unique uh, creatives, someone who's such a uh, generous collaborator, but also yeah. just always brings so much heat. Uh, how important was it? I mean, let's just speak about him as a fan for a second. What do you love about him as an artist, let alone as someone who's now a collaborator of yours? He's,
0: he seems like he was here in the 60s. He seems like he was a dope, one of the best, Best artist of the '60s, the be, one of the best guys of the '70s. That was he. Just seems like an old soul in this positive and wrapped up in positive energy. And I think he's a genius. I think he's, I think he's a pure musical genius. And his 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 just how he is. It's just so love. It's so cool. And um, he's a big fan of music. So he's a drummer. He does everything. And he loves music. Meeting and working with people who love music is, a, is like a breath of fresh air. It's not business. It's just, yo, let's collaborate, and if it's right, then we'll work, then, then we'll put it out. And that's how he was with the record. He was very, he was very um, serious about the mix, the, the, how, where, where we place this part, where you do this. Even after the song was done, he's, this do this, fix this, and I'm like, I'm following your lead now. So <laughs> shout out to him, he's incredible. All
1: right, last question. This album, you put it out, you've given us this gift at a time where no artist really wants to be able to, 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 to be cornered to put music out like this in this time frame. It's not ideal and everyone acknowledges that. So we more than appreciate the gift of music at this point because it comes at a cost Thank to you. artists. It does. Um, But as we move forward and as the world continues to try to put itself back together and and like I said, for a brighter future, for something that fits better, um, are you feeling creatively inspired? Because it often happens, you finish something you love as much as I know you love King's disease and you're just still charging, is that how it feels?
0: I'm so charging right now that I'm not gonna stop recording I'm working on something else now and and um I that's that's what I want to I want to say you I don't know how you're you, dying to tell me though you're dying to tell me <laughs> I'm working on something else and I love this album and I hope everybody else does and but it's definitely charged me in so many different ways that um I got to take advantage of this time for sure musically yeah
1: yeah Thank you for your time, man. I was really, I'm i really Ken. glad I got a chance to speak to you on this album, and, uh, and it's always a joy. And thanks again for another remarkable record. Album number 13, 27 Summers, and no slipping. Incredible.
0: Thank you, King.
1: Appreciate you. Great to Love. see you, Nas. Great to see you. Yeah. An amazing artist and someone I always very much enjoy. In fact, more than enjoy. It's an honor to speak to him every single time, such as the impact of his music on my life. That was my latest conversation with Nas. If you're here for the first time on the Zane interview series, scroll down and you'll see we're stacking these up and there's a lot more to come. So we'd all appreciate it if you subscribed and that way these interviews can just show up automatically without you even having to think about it. And then when you do think about it, we'll be right here.